Thanks for joining us for this interview from the Arctic Institute. I'm Tom Fries, a contributor and the primary editor for the website futurechallenges.org. For this interview, I spoke with Nina Jensen, conservation director at WWF Norway. Nina's work puts her in the center of the heated competition between those who believe that our use of hydrocarbons is a foregone conclusion and those who believe that a rapid shift to renewable energy is desirable, possible, and a matter of political will. Despite the formidable challenges facing Arctic ecosystems, Nina believes that a sustainable future is possible and looks forward to seeing what the next 10 years will bring. The interview follows, and I hope you'll enjoy it. Yes, so uh, my name is Nina Jensen. I currently work as the conservation director for WWF in Norway, and I've been working for WWF now for about eight years, and it has been probably the eight best years of my life. Um, WWF is a fantastic organization with some of the best people in the world, and um, obviously we are also working on some of the biggest challenges um, that the world is facing. How is it that you came to work for WWF Norway? To me, it always seemed quite obvious because I was fascinated with uh, with nature, fascinated with animals, and, and fascinated by the Arctic. And um, I mean, what better place to um, be placed and work than WWF, where you can actually work on all these issues and, and make sure that this is protected um, for the future. So to me, it made perfect sense. And, and, you know, clearly I didn't really know what I was heading for because I hadn't worked there. Um, but now that I've been there for almost a decade, I... Um, I I find it so inspirational that, um, I, I mean, I feel really privileged to actually be able to work here. Was there any aspect of your academic work that helped to lead you down this road? I actually studied then marine biology, uh-huh. uh, and then I went um, to the university in Tromsø in Norway, where I did my, um, my master's on um, uh, an Arctic seal that's called the bearded seal. Mm-hmm studying its vocal patterns and how its communication is changing with changing ice conditions. There were clearly um, changes uh, to their vocal patterns. Um, I actually had data spanning uh, 18 years of time, uh, which was recorded in uh, Point Barrow in Alaska. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, their vocal patterns changed um, quite dramatically. And when we associated that with with ice maps and saw how the ice conditions had changed in the same region, um, there seems to be some linkages with, you know, what is actually happening with with the ice melting, and the the, the available habitats and, and breeding conditions for these animals that that then will affect their uh, vocal patterns, which are again closely linked to their breeding success. The Arctic is a crucible for many different complicated policy issues. Uh, in your own experience, which issue is the most complex and challenging to tackle? Well, I mean, there are several issues, but clearly um, climate and energy issues in the Arctic are uh, both one of the biggest threats and one of the biggest challenges. Uh, and, and it's also quite frustrating um, to work on. Because we all know that global warming uh, is the single greatest threat to the Arctic as we know it. And we know that the Arctic will fundamentally change 
within our lifetime with the the ice disappearing and and with the associated impacts on on wildlife and people in the arctic at the same time the main discussion that seems to be going on in the political debate about the arctic is how and how fast can we develop fossil fuel resources in the arctic which is the same reason for driving climate change that is causing so much damages to the arctic so working against such a big paradox and with powerful nations that are driven by a fossil future and income from um, these fossil sources are a big challenge and and quite frustrating at times, I must say. When you're talking with governments and businesses about reducing hydrocarbon production and usage in the Arctic, which is, of course, an industry that provides a great deal of revenue, do you find that there are any effective pressure points, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, there are lots of things, and, and we have uh, very good relationships with, with all Arctic um, countries and governments, and, and they all acknowledge that climate change is a serious threat, um, that we need substantial cuts in CO2 emissions to um, handle the situation. But in saying that, um, the development is still continuing as it is. And and in Norway, uh, particularly, uh, they're saying that they want to develop um, oil and gas resources in the Arctic in a climate-friendly way, which is such a paradox being put in the same sentence, you know, because it, it simply cannot be done at this point in time. Obviously, renewable energy is still very much playing catch-up in the Arctic, but do you see any promising developments on the horizon for renewables? Mm. Well, one of the major challenges is that the the primary focus is still being put on fossil fuels. So there hasn't been much research and development in terms of renewable uh, resources in the Arctic. Uh, But there has been some preliminary studies that shows... um, quite uh, some promise, especially in relation to hydropower and in relation to wind uh, wind energy. And, uh, and for us, we particularly focus on offshore wind resources. And in a lot of the Arctic nations, this has been developed um, quite substantially. Uh, Norway, uh, for one, I mean, is one of the leading hydropower nations in, in the world. And in terms of uh, wind development, um, I mean, both Canada, Alaska, Russia uh, and Scandinavia are are quite well advanced. And I mean, I think, uh, I mean, we need to switch the debate from from, um, how to develop the fossil fuel resources in the Arctic to how can we create a renewable world, because that is what we need if we are to have a sustainable future. I mean, a change from a fossil fuel-based energy system to a renewable energy system is essential. Much of what drives policy is behavior, of course, and in many cases we get the policies that our behavior suggests we want. Uh, When you look at the behavior of the people around you, what gives you hope and what makes you worry? Good question. Um, Well, I mean... People always give me hope because um, they are willing to listen. They are generally optimistic and keen to find um, good solutions. 
And if you provide them with the right uh, tools and give them the right choices, they will they will make them. What I find most worrisome and challenging is that the world is currently lacking the brave visionary leaders that will take us in the direction that we want and that will actually provide those sustainable choices for people you know it's not people that are worrying me it's it's the world leaders that are not making the right choices what would you need to see in 2050 to be able to feel that your work had been successful well i mean the arctic is is one of the world's most unique um, places with a phenomenal range of, of species and ecosystems that are unlike um, anything we would find anywhere else on the, on the planet. So for me, success in 2050 would be an Arctic that has been able to protect its unique ecosystems, the species that live there, and provided alternative, sustainable development uh, development paths for the Arctic peoples. Are you optimistic as you look to the future? I, I have hope and I do see promise in, in the coming years. And um, especially, I, I do believe a combination of people and industry will be able to influence the development of the Arctic and the rest of the uh, world's energy development. Um, and, and we're seeing some strong signals already that, that um, a large part of the world is moving towards a re renewable future. And at some point, you know, maybe um, as soon as 10, 15 years um, down the track, renewable energy sources will actually be able to uh, compete financially with um, oil and gas. And then the dynamics totally change. So I think we will see a lot of changes over the next decade and I, I can't wait to see what it will look like. Thanks for listening to this interview with Nina Jensen conducted for the Arctic Institute. The Arctic Institute is based in Washington, D.C. You'll find other interviews, new research, and contact information on our website, thearcticinstitute.org. The music you've heard during this interview is Tokyo Street by the band Airtone. The music was downloaded and licensed under Creative Commons via the site ccmixer.org. <laughs>